It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. It's Friday afternoon. We're one day closer to Christmas. And I'm Paul John Dykes, joined today by Brian Degnan. You've been on Axon for ages now, Brian, haven't you? A few years. I came in just before um, Ange got appointed, so that summer. Yeah. That was, um, that was I think, one of my first first episodes was um, discussion. It was the first time Ange had been mentioned. And we were sort of chatting about who is this guy, what are we doing mm-hmm. here. Um so it's quite, it's quite interesting to look back on, actually. But yeah, it, it, it's funny because I always feel like, one of, I still feel like one of the new guys because it moves that quick. Whereas that's that with three years now. So it's getting uh, crazy, that's, really. That's right. That's right. But I, I do remember thinking back then, uh, Brian, you were, you were definitely one of the contributors who said, you know what, I quite like the idea of bringing in someone from left field, bringing in Ange Postacoglu with this philosophy. And you did speak about it. And obviously... We did enjoy the highs for a couple of years. Um, and then the big fellas moved on and we've had to move on. But we seem to have stuttered along since then. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. There's been a huge development yesterday. And um, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest for a moment that uh, by bringing in the Green Brigade, you wave a magic wand. Very much like by bringing back Maeda, Hatati and Abada, you, make, you wave a magic wand. That There's various different things that need to be right for us to to progress. And once we get them all right, and once we go into the January transfer window and bring in this fabled quality that we've been hearing about, um, if after that it's still not right, then I think we've got issues. But at the moment, I think there are other scenarios at play. You know, there are other circumstances that are affecting the performance of Celtic. And I don't, I absolutely don't undervalue the impact of not having the Green Brigade there because you know, the, the stadium itself has suffered, Brian. Uh, the energy, the positive uh, atmosphere at the ground has definitely suffered. Uh, what's your take on the, the update yesterday that the, the Ultras will be back in tomorrow? 
Uh, so, well, overall, really happy. I think the, 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 the first slightly cynical bit, because it's the last Friday, last working Friday of the year, so I'm in a good place. But the, the slightly cynical bit would be that the board waited to after Europe because they were scared of UEFA's fines. Mm-hmm. That's the reality, right? Yeah. And then now it's like, ah, atmosphere's not that good, so we're not risking anymore, let's get them back. So I think there's a cynical element there. That aside, uh, I, I'm happy they're back because I think that look, the Green Brigade on the everybody's cup of tea and there's things they do that I don't really agree with at times, but what you cannot deny is what they bring, what they bring to the atmosphere. Um, and also, they're, they're good endeavours as well. They're, they're charity work, their social mm-hmm. awareness, the things that make Celtic Celtic. The, the Green Brigade, you know, for right or wrong, I, I pitmise that and I think that I spoke before when they were first banned and I said that it was a, it was a, a, a poor mistake from the board, in my opinion, at the time, because if you look at which Celtic's um, USP is, unique selling point, it is the atmosphere. It, it is atmosphere, and it's the, the what makes the club different. Mm-hmm. You know, more than a club, why we're different from other clubs. And I think the, the Green Brigades epitomise that in a lot of ways. Um, and, and every way that the board don't, actually, the Green Brigade do. So I think it's really important they're back in. Do I think it's going to make a, a huge difference to the players or the way we're playing or the issues we have? I'm not 100% sure. Um, but if it makes a 2% increase, then that's good, right? Because you know the atmosphere is going to increase considerably more than that. So all in all, back in. Um, I know there was some behavioural issues, but to, to blame the, an entire section and an entire part of the support for some individual's actions is ludicrous to me. Yeah. It's absolutely ludicrous. So, so for me, I'm, I'm really glad they're back, and hopefully, you know, the club will realise what they offer, and they'll be quick to bend them off when we're going to Champions League next year. Because that's always the worry. The, the, there's a couple of points there, Brian, that I think you've raised that are pertinent. The first one being the timing, and um, why now with regards to the ban in the first place. Well, I mean, let's not pretend what the political undertones were at that time, what was going on in the world and um, obviously specifically what was going on between Israel and Palestine and if for example we went in a a UEFA Champions League game and we protested as a fan base or a section of the fan base protested then that would put heat on Celtic and that was going to happen that was definitely going to happen, now there are people in the comment section would agree with it, would disagree with it, That's, that's up for debate because it all depends on not just your political viewpoint, but whether or not you think football and politics mixes. I think it does. I think Celtic are the very epitome of a political movement um, because without the um, the treatment of the Irish diaspora um, back in the 1840s, there would be no Celtic. So politics and football go hand in hand, in my view. But I absolutely respect other people's views on that. Had we gone into the games, as mentioned, Brian, there would have been protests, there would have been TIFOs, absolutely. So the timing of it, you've got to look at that and think, all right, has there been similar issues in the past in relation to behaviour? Probably, otherwise there wouldn't be a charter. There wouldn't be a a safe standing um, area charter, which we now know there is. Some of you might have known that beforehand. I didn't until obviously this um, this situation where the club and the fans went to loggerheads. So I think it's a good thing overall because in terms of the atmosphere, it's about margins. We keep going back to margins. We're going to have to ban that term uh, along with 
uh, a player being a Rolls Royce and the season being a roller coaster of an experience. There are fine margins. And um, I think after the pandemic season, we probably appreciated it more, Brian, especially when you speak to people who have been there, uh, both in the managerial capacity as a player. I love interviewing Celtic players, ex-Celtic players, just to try and tap into that. How important are the fans to you? And they're not saying it uh, for lip service. They actually tell you that one of the biggest issues during the pandemic, yeah, we, we signed a lot of duff players. That that was an issue. Uh, no pun intended with the word duff, by the way. But another issue was the fact that fans weren't in the stadium and it affected some teams positively and other teams negatively. And it affected Celtic negatively, didn't it? It absolutely did. And look, just just briefly touching on your point about the, the, the politics versus no politics, stuff like that. I think it's a bigger question than that. It's do is, do people have the right to an opinion and do they have the right to express that opinion? If the answer is yes, then people need to relax and let the game be good, you know, whatever signs of what it is, that's it, that's what you accept. If you want to start, you know, editing people's opinions, if people get the right opinions, I think that's a slippery slope and I think that's where UEFA have found ourselves in. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so, so, so I think the I think the political question, what your politics are, what your politics aren't, where you go hand in hand, etc. I think the reality is, are you allowed an opinion? Are you allowed to protest? Um, in song, we can protest. Um then if that's the case, then I don't see what the problem was, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> but actually, that's a, that's a bigger question. In terms of the... the oh, and just one other thing on that. I know Celtic were concerned about the, the fines for UEFA. And I think mm. you get fined 15 grand a week or something like that. They're paying 60 grand a week for Matt Phillips' wages. So I, I know what one I'd rather have. I'm astonished with that, Brian, because we were talking about wages during the week. And I think he had been listed on a, a fairly credible website. Um, as, and that's astonishing. If Celtic are paying the full complement of his wages, it is astonishing. And the sooner January comes round, the better. I just see it as a black hole of wage after wage after wage. Trim the squad. Um, it also means that you've got a lot of unhappy players. I keep going back to that, Brian. It's like any workplace. <clears throat> if you've got an un- unhappy section of uh, any workplace, any dressing room, training park, it, it seeps in. It's like the bad apple and and your football. It seeps into those around it, that negative energy. So um, I'm not saying him specifically, but if you've got 12 guys, 15 guys not playing every single week, there's going to be negativity swirling around. There's going to be people thinking the gaffers, this, that and the other. There's going to be players scoring goals and then doing that. Um, Who is he doing that to? Is it the fans? Is it the media? Is it the management team? Um, that, That kind of thing does not bode well. You need unity. And I think one of the big parts of that was getting uh, the full fan base in there. I'm looking forward to it, I really am. And um, <laughs> it's interesting, though, there's always going to, be people, going to be people who disagree with that. So let us know your thoughts in the comments section. I'm really keen to get your thoughts in. We are running down, where are we now? The 22nd of December. We're three days away from the big one. Uh, we interviewed Mialbe, Big Johan, on Monday night, and uh, we, caught, we caught some footage on tape, and we're going to be pulling that together so that I can have a day off on Christmas Day and just sit there and, and do what everybody else is doing on Christmas Day. But we'll put something out in the channel, just in case you get a wee bit bored before watching Die Hard later on at night. Paddy Lavery, or whatever your Christmas movie of choice is, Brian, have a think about that and let me know. I've got After, several. Die Hard's right up there, though. Die Hard's, of course, absolutely. This debate every year, is it a Christmas movie? Of course it is. Yippee-ki-yay, Martin Comper. <laughs> 100%. Paddy, always an absolute pleasure to hear from you, sir. Afternoon and bar humbug to all. 
Yeah, by Homburg indeed. Um, we want to talk, Brian and I, we, we want to talk about uh, the game specifically. There's been a lot of things swirling around in terms of um, this disconnect between the club and the fan base, the disjointed nature of the team selection, the lack of style, uh, players off form, which players are on form, what's happening in January. All of that stuff is relevant. Let's focus a wee bit on the game tomorrow and see if we are able to try and distinguish what is um, our strongest 11, as Stephen Burns says here. Let's try and field our strongest 11 and stick by it. I think that was my thought process, Brian, going into the Feyenoord game. I looked at the Feyenoord game and I thought, Feyenoord Hearts, then Livingston, then Dundee, and, and try and get that kind of fluidity in the team, the consistency with the selection. And then you go into the Rangers game thinking to yourself, you know, if somebody else is back, great, put them on the bench, might give us a wee bit more depth. I don't think we're anywhere near that yet. And we're two games into that 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 four-game package that I was thinking about. Um, it is, for me, it really is important to start getting that identity back within the start of 11. It seems like we're just throwing darts at a board at the moment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And to quote um, Mr Rogers, I'm no surprised. Um, where I will defend Rogers um, slightly is the fact that I think it's been hard. I don't think there's been any point in this season we've had our strongest starting 11 fit. Yeah. You do have to, I don't think it's an excuse. I think the, the the coaching manager should be able to get more at the team, but I think that actually um, it's hard, we have been missing the players quite a lot of time. Um, however, because of that, that's where I'm surprised we've not changed tact. Like, we've, we've been trying to fill a Hitachi-shaped hole as that creative midfielder. And we've not done it. So instead of trying to like mitigate that and mitigate the injuries to Myers by changing shape, we've kind of stuck by our guns and, and just tried to plod on regardless, which I think is a, a sort of weird choice. Um, and, and I hope that... Look, putting a positive spin on it, right, the, the results we've had, the past couple of results have been atrocious, like utterly atrocious. However, you've got to think Rogers can't see that continuing. You know, as a manager, whether he, he, he loves himself more than a club or not, if he does, that's fine because he has to say, right, I can't allow my teams to keep playing like this. Mm-hmm. Something's got to give. Is it going to be a, a sharp change of personnel? Is it going to be a change of shape? I've got a wee sort of how I would do it. We'll talk about it later. But I just mm-hmm. think that something has to, something's got to give. Whether that be the January window, his stubbornness. Um, Chris Sutton made a really good point the other day um, that he felt Rogers was kind of just um, we would describe it as just sort of plain I can't remember the, the phrase he used, but basically just sort of grinning, no half ass in it, but sort of kind of playing the game, just getting on with things, being a bit passive. Mm. And I think now he has to go, right, this is laser focus. Yeah. Laser laser now I have to go, right, what what has to change? Because you can't change all the players, you can't change the board. You can only change what you can change, and that's shape, coaching, and team selection. Yeah. And I don't think that the team selection changes we've seen, I think, have been very strange. Like Bernardo signed through Champions League, apparently. That didn't, didn't make any sense. Um, Tumble being out of the team, Home being kind of out of the team. Lagerbell can frame. Lagerbell can frame. Well, yeah, frame how, how do you like, earn? How do you earn your spurs? Well, this is where it's, this is where it, it it falls back on Brendan, but this is where I think that it may change. And maybe I'm hoping against hope. Maybe it's the fact that I'm about two years 
to finish work till the 3rd of January and I'm just getting excited. But I think that we will see a change. We have to see a change. And I think it has to be a bold change before January. Um, and look, ultimately, we've been we've been calling things out. It's not been right. I, I called it at the start of the season. I said I felt there was something a bit of a cloud over this season. I, I'm sorry for once that I'm, I was right there because it's not what you want to see. Um, but we are still top of the league and it is still in our hands. And if we get a couple of results, it will kill them because the Tribute Act are determined to win in the league now. And we've, we've galvanised them by our sort of failings. If we can take that away and go, no, 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 we've been rotten around, but we're still better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're still top of the league mm. and they're running the bank to improve. Then suddenly the, the, the tone shifts and the, the, the story shifts. And ultimately, again, this sounds like a, a, maybe a cynical take, but after January, Rogers is only himself to blame or only himself to take the credit for because it's, yeah. it's his game at that stage. Can he blame the board anymore? Can he blame the transfers? It's his and it's his team. So, and I, and I think. Even from a self-preservation perspective, I think that'll benefit us. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Galvanise a great word because you know it often happens in adversity. I know that. It was no more work in the day toilet paper. That's the only reason I come up with it. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, no, it is because the adversity aspect of it, Brian. You, you get through a patch. Um, we were talking uh, yesterday, JP and I, about Matt O'Reilly and the fact that there, there seems to be some kind of connection, friendship between him and Palmer because they're doing that wee celebration. Like it or loathe it. Um, uh, it they've obviously practised it. They've spent some time on that one. But uh, at the same time, O'Reilly was giving them dogs and I love that on a football park because it means that no, the person that's doing that is not prepared to allow anybody to drop below a certain standard. I want to, There's loads we'll talk about as we just work our way through that 11 and I always love to hear your take on things because often it's about shape and doing things a wee bit differently. Uh, before I do it, in case anyone never noticed, yes, I've replicated JP's feature wall. It's all Celtic stuff. And I just want to point out a couple of things. Let's get this right there. That's loads of Celtic strips all folded up. And let's do this. Up there is the same. <laughs> there's probably about 50. In fact, there's maybe even more. And these are the jerseys, Brian, that people have been sending in for the Sell the Jerseys initiative. They're not there permanently. They're there just so that we can talk about it from time to time. Some of them are good to go. They're fully signed. Some of them are match-worn. I've got a match-worn jersey collector interested in three or four of those ones. Other ones are just jerseys right for signatures that we're going to be working on all year round. So 2024 
you know, sometimes it'll be impromptu, we'll grab a jersey, we'll do it online, whatever it may be. The plan was to do an, an online auction during the charity weekender, but we were all scunnered with the result that I thought that if I then try to sell some stuff to Celtic fans on Saturday night, they'd have told me to do one. So <laughs> we will do it when the time is right. And it's all raising cash, of course, for wee Jamie Tierney. And we're going to keep raising cash for the wee fella and his family throughout the year as well. Um, and also, you know, I'm plugging my own stuff that's run about there, Quality Street Gang books and all that, even though you can't buy them anymore. And people are kind enough to send us things, the Celtic Curo guys and different books and all that, and we'll display them behind us. It's very changeable. As is the studio, it's a work in progress. So bear with us until we get it absolute tip top. It's going to be a lot better once we get the equipment up and running and firing on all cylinders. It's like a ja- I'm waiting on that January transfer window. Once after that, everything will be fine, Brian. I promise. Celtic follower, hopefully, be a bit more consistent tomorrow, and we keep the same starting uh, squad tomorrow for the next three games. I get it. Fed up seeing the lineup changing game by game, right? Tell me, uh, Brian, do you agree that the um, the side, the shape, the personnel uh, are all resulting in this simply not working? I think there was a few things. And, and by the way, we need to take a step back to try and figure out what's going wrong here. Um, first things first, people are saying to me, stop saying that he inherited a treble winning squad. Right, I get your point. We won the treble last season, but there are personnel that are no longer there. Totally get it. Jota, massive loss. Moy, huge loss. A wee bit more understated than Jota, perhaps. Staff felt a huge loss on two fronts. Firstly, as an individual player. Secondly, with the partnership he had with CCV. And then you take a wee step further back. Juranovic, yeah, big loss. Yakimakis, big loss. Because you, you look at some of these games, you think we need somebody to come in and make an impact. You've got Yakimakis, you've got O. Oh, which one would you prefer? I get it. It's all hindsight, I know. But yeah, we're weaker. We're weaker in personnel. The transfer window did not help. Um, but in terms of playing to your strengths, I was talking uh, over the last few days, Brian, about saying, right, pinpoint the guys that you know have the quality, play to their strengths. The obvious one, Kyogo. A massive part of it is down to the wing play of what is effectively new wingers that we've been seeing this season. We have seen, uh, obviously, uh, Maida uh, being suspended and injured. We've seen Abada being injured the loss of Jota. We've brought in new guys in Palma and Yang and Tilio. Of the three, Palma seems to have done better than other, the other two. But it's been interchangeable. They've got different styles, Brian. They're not playing the way we did last season. So, Kyogo, my first question for you, and let us know in the comment section how we resolve this. How do we start tapping back in to the talismanic Kyogo? How do we get a performance out of the wee guy? So, I think there's two ways to do it. So, I'm going to suggest a complete formation shape when we talk about team selection, but in the immediacy, I think it's clear to me he's not going to serve us from Hitati, right? Nadi can find the runs. Matt Riley can do it sometimes, but usually he's in a different position. So I think if you move Palmer behind him, that would make sense to me, because Palmer's never a winger in his life for me. He's not got the pace. But if he was playing as a 10 behind Kyogo, I think he's clever enough to find his movement, or at least his movement's good enough that he could pull someone off that McGregor or O'Reilly could find Kyogo. So I think that would be good. Mm. The most obvious answer is stop putting crosses for headers into a guy who's about the size of me. Like every every time he scored almost last season before, it was low crosses across the box. Yeah. You were finding him. He was finding he was nipping in front of the defender and getting yeah. it first. 
how often in all of Kyogo's goals did he get up for a glancing header to a big cross and yet every time we touched the byline we're firing crosses above instead of working it so they go to him so mm-hmm. we're not playing to strengths and we need to start and I think that would be a quick fix without the drastic shift I'm suggesting I think just moving Palmer inside would be a bit more sensible and you've got that creative force because let's be honest Turnbull's not been doing it I think no. I, I defend I defend Turbo more than most probably, but he's not interested. He's checked it for me. And if that's the case then then he can go and good luck to him. Um home is a player to I still use, really, to I use think, a JP phrase, if his head's left the building, his boots can follow. Correct, yes. Um I think home is a player I still think's got massive potential, but he's not that type of player. He's almost Matt really esque it, he can kinda of do everything in midfield, but he's not got a, a real core, like say, playmaker. Um, and Hitati's still injured so that that would be the quick fix for Kyogo in my opinion You were talking about bringing so you're, you're basically bringing Palma in like a number 10 uh, in that well, scenario a four, two, three, so I think it's not I'll do my formation separately but I think a four-two-three-one would be a quick fix because A it's Brendan's chosen formation anyway that he always played and I think we had O'Reilly and uh, McGregor sort of sitting and then Palma in a free roll behind Kyogo. Right. He could take advantage of Kyogo's movement. So mm-hmm. even if Kyogo wasn't directly contributing the goals, his movement's still so good. Palma could find the space and shots outside the box. So I think that would be my fix. Well, I like it. I like the sound of it because we, we definitely do need to try and uh, tap into Kyogo as, as a force. And when you look at Palma, of all the players that came in, of the nine players that came in, the magnificent nine players that came in, Brian. Palma is the guy who's been the shining light. I'm not prepared to write everybody off. Um, I think that that there's certain signs on a player like Lagerbilt, we'll come back to that um, as well, that he may well be on his way. It's not worked out for him. He's not the type of player that the gaffer wants. Um, Tilio, clearly a signing that was pushed by Ange Postacoglu. And I'm not just saying... Australian player equals Ange signing. Tilio spoke about it, didn't he? He said this move has been in the works for two years. A year, it, yeah. Aye, it falls into the Ange Postacoglu era. Um, and Tilio's come in, yeah, came in with an injury. He's probably struggled to settle, I think the word is. He's struggled to settle. And once he's come back to fitness, he's had a couple of appearances. So I'm not willing to write guys like that off. What I think with Tilio is... You ask the question, is he going to be making that impact this season? And if the answer is no, loan him out. Loan him out and get him games. Um, I think the same could be said for Yang, even though he's made more of an impression than Tilio. I think you, you ask yourself the question, and if a winger is one of these players that we buy or bring in on loan in January, then I think you could probably afford for Yang to go the same way at this stage. Quan's got to uh, make a call on him. Is he going to be good enough? Because if not, find him in another club um, a wee bit of the Gucci style you know be be hard on, on the situation because we just can't keep paying players for not playing uh, Brian and they're not going to play they're not going to play any games of football they're just training all week um, so I think that scenario there uh, moving Palma more centrally leaves you with the two options and Maeda obviously he's back you put him straight in Brian you put him straight in and you ask him to play and I say traditional uh, the way he was playing on the ranch, you ask him to play that way because he's a type of player who can hit the byline with pace, that energy. I think that, you know, if he's not playing, the guy behind him, i.e. 
Greg Taylor looks like a worse defender because he doesn't have that cover. He doesn't have the defensive qualities of Maeda. Um, so if he comes in, he, he gets thrown right in. Who else do you play on the wings? Because I think we're then lacking quality, aren't we? Because Abada's not yet fit. Yeah, well, this is... So what, what I would do to change that up, so you're right about the wings. We, we don't have the wingers. I think Jan has showed in flashes he's decent, but there's a lot of work being done before he's a player, in my opinion. Um, I know we'll talk about Rocco Vart a lot, but Rocco Vart was a better player, Fenton, I've seen, than Yang, in my opinion. I think he's Yang's, uh, he's almost a bit like, in the first couple of minutes of a game, you can tell if he's going to have a shocker. The ball either run under his feet or he'll do something really quick and knock it by someone. Um, and the rest of the wingers, I say, haven't really been, been cutting that either. But what I would do is, I think I'd go 3-5-2 and I'd have Mieda and Kiel go up front because Mieda can still defend from the front. He's mm-hmm. a handful for defenders. He's so fast. And him and Kyogo, like trying to mark those two is madness. And then you're, you're not relying on the wings as much to put crosses in because either one of them will pull wide. My, so you have heart and goals because he's the only option. I'd have a back three of Welsh, Carter Vickers and Scales. Then mm-hmm. my midfield five would be Johnson, McGregor, O'Reilly. If Hatati's fit, Hatati, I think he's been training, so let's assume he's fit. If not, be home because he's another option, but we'll assume Hatati. And I'd have young Michael Frame left. The reason being, he's a, he's played either wide left or left back, so the wing back role's perfect for him. And it means if you're playing that, the, the, the 3 5 2, if you're defending, you can drop back to a back five and Mieda can pull it wide. Mm-hmm. And all, if you're chasing the game and that's not worked, all you then need to do is substitute Welsh for Palmer, say. Revert to normal back four, Mieda out wide, Palmer in. So you can change that quite quickly. And I think it would benefit because I think we've looked weak in mid, midfield. Like, we've talked about Kamarnock, Hearts, we get battered in midfield. Not just physically, but we just didn't seem to hit we just seem to be caught out of possession all the time. Yep. And whenever they broke, we just never had it to track back. So the way you, you sort of to mitigate against that, if you're flooding in midfield and keeping it strong, Johnson can still fire crosses in if you need to. He can still pull in. Frames, athletic, young, tall, determined. You know, he's, he's got the ability to just make a difference, have that youthful impact. Um, and then again, you can have guys like Vata coming off the bench or Forrest. I think Forrest is still a better option than Yang or Telio, to be honest. Um, so that's what I would do. But I think Mead and Kiel up front would be really good because then Mead can still give what Mead gives because he's not really a winger anyway. They can still give that defensive work and that good movement and allow space for Kiel without having to align the wingers. And Kiel can drift. He's shown Kyogo that. Drift. He played a lot of his football both internationally and over in Japan on a more kind of left side of a forward line, Brian. So you can see how that would be adaptable. I think, um, I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, Rocco Vata and Michael Frame should definitely be on the bench, um, you know, over the next few games. I really do think that the youthful, sometimes it's the naive, the, the naivety of youth. It's a fear, Paul. It's it a lack of fear. They're not yeah. jaded. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it'll be funny, People think people are saying, "Oh, Frey made a, a couple of minutes against Feyenoord. You think he's a hero?" I, I, 
that's not the case. But Taylor's been struggling. He's struggling badly this season. And you can't keep putting him in if you're going to keep struggling because he becomes a fall guy. Because people, he's not the most popular cat anyway, Taylor. So if you keep putting him in that position, he's going to struggle. At least if you try something different and let the youngster get a try, you're shown a bit of change. You're identifying that yeah. left that left back's a weakness. Let's change it up. Bernabe's no doing it. You're then satisfying people that say we don't play any academy players. You're showing the academy players we've got a chance. And you know you never know what the boy can do when a bit of pressure's on. Some players play better when they're in that spotlight and they have to just do it. And if he fails, he's only 17. Would you come back to Taylor? I, I, I don't see the risk in, in trying something like that, especially when you've got an established 11. And to go back to the earlier point, the people saying this isn't a table winning squad, it is the only one that makes the squad weaker, no being there. Moy, you could argue maybe, but I think Moy was quite inconsistent. Jot is obviously a loss. Starfield, I don't think we've looked weaker defensively because Starfield's not been there. I think the team's been weaker defensively. So I, I, I still think just losing Jota isn't enough to justify the, the drop we've seen, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, so my point being, the squad's still strong enough that a youngster coming in shouldn't affect that at all. No, you're right, and I'd much rather see it, Brian, than Bernabe or Quan, who got a seat on the bench last week, which uh, I'll never understand it. I'll never understand that over Vata and Frame. I just don't get it. I don't think anything is to be gained by having those two guys. And people might say in the comments, which, you know, there's an element of truth of, they're showing up better in training. We don't see what they're doing day to day. Totally get it. Um, Brennan Rogers obviously is seeing them on a daily basis, uh, speaking to them one-to-one, knowing what their state of mind is, um, their frame of mind. Michael Ross, let me bring you up here. Um, Telling one of the commenters to behave, good on you, Michael. If there's any nonsense going on in the comments, which I can't see simply because of the amount of comments coming in, then try and self-manage it. And if it doesn't work, then we might have to get the big mallet out. You know, remember Timmy Mallet? And uh, ban you or kick you out the, the comment section. Not you, Michael. Not you. Uh, the person that you are warning. Xander yeah. Mack, the game is over. The Rebels have won. Yeah. Remember that quote very, very well. Brian Dempsey on the rain-soaked steps of Celtic Park. And that was uh, 30 years ago next year, believe it or not. Um, and I think there are similar similarities in that the uh, statement was made it was basically fan movements um, that brought about change. Absolutely, uh, 30 years ago, fan movements that brought about change. We needed the business acumen. We needed the uh, money. And that's where guys like uh, Fergus McCann, anyway, came in and others, John Kane, cannot ever be forgotten in that scenario. And um, I made the comment last night after the uh, Green Brigade announced that they were coming back. The game is over the Rebels that have won. And it, uh, it went down a storm, I think it's safe to say, Brian. It went down a storm because of the, the, the vast majority of people that realised why I was saying it. It was a board versus supporter scenario. And there was a few Celtic fans who weren't having it, saying that I was maybe that kind of rhetoric is not useful. We need unity. And I'm thinking, come on now. Are we at that stage where you're going to strip back everything and try and find a hidden meaning in it? There's nothing subliminal, right? It was a fan group against the board. They're back in. The Rebels have won. Simple as that. Cheers for reminding me, Xander. 
think I've got about 250,000 impressions on that tweet last night. My notifications were hot uh, all night. Here we go. Michael Ross is happy the Green Brigade are back. Double Denim, uh, welcome back to the show. Great to meet you the other night. Afternoon, folks. Great news about the Green Brigade. And not before time. We need unity and the players need the support. Hopefully galvanise. There's that word again. The players for yeah, the Olympic Same talk paper as me. Same talk yeah, paper. We've done double down. See on your point about the 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 sort of the you deal on the ball side on the Green Brigade side. I think it's a wee bit of nonsense. But what's interesting to me when people talk about the board, it's almost the way people talk about government. Because the board are there to service the club. They're just they're just there to help manage the club. They don't own the club. The club's ours. They they're there to do the best of the club in their opinion, but it's it's their club. When that board's gone, the fans will still be there. Celtic will still be there. There's no man or board bigger than the club or the fan base or the people who support it and breathe life into it. So when people say, "Oh, the board do this and they do that," do you know what? They they should be um, accountable to the fans. Should these AGMs are a joke? It's all these censored safe questions. They'll throw in a, a wee comment, have a go at Rangers and. People feel oh, they're on side. So when people say as versus the board, it should never be that case. It should never be that case. You know, the board run the club on our behalf, but it's on our behalf. So I think, you know, sometimes there's this idea that the board are in charge and we should just do what we're told and, and kind of fall in line. And, and I just don't think that's the nature of Celtic as a club at the best of times. I don't like the civil war. I don't think people are all arguing and falling out. And I don't like when people are getting ejected for want to punch by the shareholders or something like that. But, you know, I think this idea of, oh, stick up for the board or stick up for the fans, I think it's madness. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewellery gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You've got to see um, you've got to see some kind of balance. I'm going to bring up some of the comments here who agree, disagree, etc. That's what it's all about. Um, and Donny, tiny hands. Two questions. Do you have tiny hands and is your name Donny? Who knows? Axom are deluded. We're deluded, Brian. Every one of us deluded if they think that Roger should stay. Um, all joking gonna, aside... Going to sack a manager when we're top of the league. Absolute, what is, utter madness. Exactly. What is the repercussions of that, Brian? I've, I've seen a lot of it. Listen, I've seen a lot of it on social media. Um, some people unhappy with Brendan Rodgers coming back in the first place now think it's justified to say sack him. Seriously, let's look at the repercussions of doing that in December, whilst, as you quite rightly say, you're top of the league and in three games we've played Rangers. Um, we've got a January transfer window. I think everybody at the club now is, I hope, um, now understanding of the fact that uh, we don't do business the way we just did it in the summer. That was that was the wrong move. Uh, we might get one or two players out of it if we're lucky. 
we're going to have to do things differently in January. And it's going back to the point we made at the top of the show, Brian. Let's judge Brendan Rodgers, right, after this January at least. And if there is still this malaise, if there's still the lack of energy, the lack of fluidity in that team, the random team selections, um, the post-match press conferences and the comments that seem to uh, worry us and concern us about what's happening behind the scenes. If that still continues, let's return to this discussion because at this moment in time, I think it would it would basically write off the season, Brian. It I mean. is. It, it's 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 madness. Look, I, you know, when we talk about at the start, she'll come back in time. Talk about the poster Cogga was coming in. I didn't want Rogers back. I said it should be Mareska. I thought he was a better choice. You were you were up for Mareska, yeah, I remember. I, I, thought, that. I thought he fitted the mould. I thought he fitted the same style of play. I thought it made more sense. Mm-hmm. Now, just because you're doing well at Leicester doesn't mean you've done well at Celtic. I'm not saying that. My point of making is, even though I didn't particularly want him back, you can't sack him. We're still top of the league. I, it's not been great this season. 100%. I've been seeing it for the start. I also think he's accountable for it. I think he's the man in charge. But you're top of the league. We could beat Rangers, win our next couple of games, send a couple of players in January, do well in the league, and then we regroup in the summer. There's no reason that can happen. In fact, that's probably the most realistic option. It's going to happen. You can't sack him at this stage. It'd be madness. And I don't think he would get sacked because he's only three and a half million a year in a three-year contract. So you're going to have to pay him off because there's no way Rogers is coming in unless he's got a good payoff if he gets sacked. Also, the fact you've got is Dermot Desmond going to sack him? I doubt it because he no has goes in the line. Which is actually the other reason I think January might be okay because Dermot Desmond, if he's questioned, will always say, count the trophies in the cabinet before you question mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> especially you know if you're a journalist. Especially if you're a journalist, I, yeah. um, Whereas if he's bringing in Rogers and he's probably paying a lot of his wages, I would imagine because it's with the pay structure. So it's on him as well. So his ego won't allow for it. So Rogers wants Rogers will get, I think, in January. Um, and then it's on him. But to sack him is, is outrageous. And on your, your point just about the comment section, there's a, there's a few a few tribute acts fans in there, which is beyond insane to me. But fair play. Thanks for watching. Um, yeah. Where the comment sections, and I sometimes look at the comments on YouTube and I only ever reply to the positive ones because there's no point in applying to the negative ones. But I'll often reply if somebody's got a point that's different from mine, as mm-hmm. long as I'm respectful with it. He says, Brian, I don't think that's right. What about this? I go, Brian, never thought of that. But seeing people are abusive, that's why you don't get replied to. That's why the comments don't go up. Disagree all you want. That's what it's about. Paul will tell you, we disagree all the time. Everyone the acts on crack disagrees time to time. Maybe calls each other names and insult each other personally or starts to go to each other. So, grow up, use a bit of common sense, be respectful, and we're good. No, exactly. Brian, exactly. You can, listen, you can join the discussion. We've had, not seen him in a while, actually, we've had um, fans of Hibs, Dundee United, even Rangers coming into the comment section and being respectful, and you get what you give. Simple as that, Brian. It's that simple, really. It's a um, simple, basic rule that we will abide by Robert Highland. Um, we're going to be asking everybody how they will line up. This is Livingston. This is a team who are fighting for their very survival and they will lap up um, any of these big crosses into the box all day long. We've got to change tact. How do we change it? Robert Highland, play a water. 
if uh, I'm a big fan of, of Awata. Yep. I don't think he's done anything wrong this season. No, and move Kalmak one forward to help unlock the Livy defence. There was a slightly concerning statement uh, the other day against Hearts after the game where Brendan Rodgers spoke about Callum McGregor, Brian, and said he was doing the work of three guys out there. That doesn't say much about his colleagues, does it? No, I mean, uh, Rodgers has um, had some, some choice comments over the season. Again, I think I, I got really nervous about it when it was that press conference and he was asked if he was happy with the window and he just said no and then sort of backtracked a bit. And I think at the time people thought I was reading too much into it, but it felt like it felt like that's Rogers' first one. There's going to be more. Yeah. And I'm never a fan of managers throwing players under the bus. I, I don't like it. If I was a player, I'd be furious. I'd want the manager to have my back. Kick your head in, in the dressing room. Yep. Because they probably deserve it. But doing it publicly, I think it's it, it doesn't often work. Lennon in his second season, uh, second time in charge particularly, was guilty of that and I think it backfired. And I think Rogers has done it. I don't think it's worked. So that that was um that was surprising. I know he wasn't surprised at the result, which was insane thing to say. But the fact he said he's doing the work of three men, you go, well, does that mean Matt O'Reilly's no doing anything? Does that mean um Turnbull's no doing who who is who's the three men you're talking about? Or are you just saying are you meaning that as in if he's lazy, he's great, or he was just hovering above everyone? But you can't really say that when you've been beat 2-0. I thought it, it, some of his comments have been a wee bit strange this season. Yeah. And normally he's, he's a fairly clever operator with what he says, but he's kind of he's kind of jumped in and just sort of said things. And and I, I, I don't know, it's it's very worrying for me when he does that. I, I don't think it's a good sign. I don't like when I don't like when managers play games like that I just think to keep that in house you don't need to you don't need to say that I, I just I don't see um, where you go for there I agree and I think um, there were occasions famously in, in the first spell where too much was given Brian and I, I raised some concerns a few weeks back uh, even about the simple things like you're getting asked about injuries don't give too much away just don't give too much away because what you're telling your opposition is who's playing, who's fit, how to set up. You know, you're giving too much information there. Um, and that, that was just a small aspect of it that I picked up on uh, the other week and spoke about. I was uh, chatting with a friend of mine, Hugh, um, who knows football inside out, and, and he was saying, you don't have to wasn't do that. Keevans, was it wasn't the Keevans? It wasn't the Shuggy Keevans. And by the way, <laughs> I wasn't sure I wasn't sure if uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk's impression Shug Keevans was on the interview. There's a tiny wee snippet, well worth watching on the channel, by the way. Um, he'd done it even better live on the stage. But uh, Van Hoydonk, with his big Dutch accent, uh, getting torn about Hugh Keevans was probably the highlight of the night, I've got to say. Um, but yeah, we were talking about that. And I think you could you could use the examples of the first time that are pretty infamous now with the Terminado. And you know, you're starting to think, all right, you have no signs fed. He was given too much information. And at this stage, you might think Mikey Johnson has to give you more. You might have to think that David Tumble has to give you more. There, there's two players that have been highlighted this season specifically. Don't see it. See it behind the scenes. Don't see it. Don't put it out there. I absolutely agree with that. If we're going to have unity, that, that is a, a small element of that um, as well. I'm going to bring this in here from Barca Boy. Um, We've gone from the Kellys and Whites to the Desmonds, Lobos and Strackens. And when you consider that, um, I get completely to the scale, absolutely because the Kellys and Whites uh, were not fit for purpose. 
listen, they were born into Celtic families, and you know, you all only have to look back on the length of time both families were involved in Celtic, which was year dot November eighteen eighty seven. Absolutely, they were Celtic supporters, but they did not have the business acumen to take us into the twenty first century. Brian, they ran the club um, uh, dreadfully. The when the youth system started to dry up and we we couldn't tap into to sell another player, um, we had an issue because we didn't know how to raise cash. We didn't know how to raise capital. We had a stadium that was falling to bits. Uh, it was decrepit. It was uh, not fit for purpose. But it had to be rebuilt because the Taylor report had stipulations. So absolutely, yeah. Um, but I think the point Barca boy is making here is the nepotism, that aspect of it, the fact that when you've got a situation where Peter Lobel's son is the head of recruitment and recruitment's not working, what do you do? I think that is key. That's the key point that I would take from what Barca Boy is saying here. Although, yeah, we've got the business acumen, we've got the accounts, we've got the money, we've got all that side of things, Brian, and that's great. And you need it to be a successful club and run as a successful company. When you have got a situation where that aspect of the job's not working, what do you do with them? Who's firing Matt Lowell? Nobody. Yeah, well, that's the, the, the interesting thing about Matt Lowell coming in. Yeah, the only thing I would disagree with the basketball is about the strikings. I don't know if that's a, a fair to include Gordon and, and Gavin in that particularly, but I see the point. But, um, but yeah, I think what was interesting, I remember, it's, I feel as if I'm, I, I'm going back on Dax on the episodes, but I, I had said that I thought Matt Lowell was going to come in as director of football when Ange came in. Because I could see it coming because they'd mentioned him a few times and I know he's going to say the recruitment instead. But it's this is where I think it's important to have the balance. And this is why I always talk about we're a very successful business, but we're a poorly run club. And some people think you can't eat their mutually scoop them. No. If you're financially, we're in great shape. You can't argue with that. You just simply can't. So financial for a, a small to medium sized business a very, very good nick. However, the reason that clubs in all countries and all leagues have a financial people and they have football people, they don't have financial people running the football side. That's why you need a football man at the top of that pyramid, that director of football who handles all the football and affairs, coaching. So you get his recruitment guys come to him, his coaching guys come to him, his manager comes to him, he allocates everything down. He's in charge of that side. That's the job. And then the accountants do the accountancy, the football guys do the football guys. We don't have that. We have Mark Wall, who by all accounts, great guy, really good schmoozer, really popular, really well connected. Can he spot a player a mile away? Running the football side of things, alongside Nicholson, who was a lawyer. And, and, and that's where it all goes a bit wrong. And this is where the balance is to be. And this is what I was talking about earlier, about the board are running it. They're running the finances. That should be what they do someone else should run the football side of it. So either Brendan Rodgers should have to compete autonomy over it and then he lives or dies on that or someone else should be and he just in charge of the coaching. We don't have that structure I've been ranting and raving and moaning about I think since day dot on Axel. You have, you have. And stop. people stopped talking about it when Andrew was in because things were working. Because things were going people, well. So you don't need yeah. to talk about it. I mean, the same problems that existed during the COVID season when, when people were nuts about the board hasn't really changed. It's just that the football was really good and Andrew said he was such a good statesman that he kind of almost didn't care because you thought he won't allow that to happen. That's the faith we've got in him. Well, he's there, he'll put his foot down. 
whether that was true or no, you don't know, but you kind of trick yourself into believing that because everything's going well. When it's no, you start to see the cracks, especially when your manager is coming out and having wee digs, you start to say, hold on, maybe maybe things are only fixed after all. You know, it's brought me to the point as well, you were saying there about Brendan Rodgers, obviously we had a commenter in there saying that he needs sacked, and you spoke about the fact that he was um, he was Dermot Desmond's appointment. Now, again, listen, you never know 100% until you see it in black and white, but for example, if you read Martin O'Neill's book, which is somewhere on that shelf by me, great book, by the way, recommended, um, he speaks about the fact that he was Dermot Desmond's appointment. You know, he tells you, and that, that's basically it. Who else in it, who else in that tenure has been uh, an appointment by Dermot Desmond? Well, Brennan Rogers was first time, and we assume he was second time, right? So you can look at uh, the questions, and in the autobiographies, Brendan's book's up there as well, by the way, the autobiographies whereby it's like, you know, where did you hear from uh, the Celtic interest from, etc. And it's Dermot Desmond that's doing the deals, that he's doing the business. And they are... There's three managerial appointments, one being the same guy twice. Um, where was it that, for example, Peter Lovell brought in uh, managers? And correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, I'm going to suggest that it was Tony Mowbray, it was Ronnie Dyla, Neil Lennon. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And everybody's tried to take credit for Ange for obvious reasons, but um, Ange Porsukoglu through the connections to City Group, Matt Lowell being part of that. So... You do look at that situation and you think, well, if Dermot Desmond's going to appoint somebody, he's not getting sacked. <laughs> he's absolutely not going to be getting sacked here. What they're going to do is, like what you said earlier, it's the laser focus. It's fine-tuning absolutely everything to make sure we don't make the same mistakes again in January. I think that Brendan has shown his frustrations quite a bit in interviews, which I don't think is necessary. You could be frustrated, but keep it behind the scenes and let's just put it right. And it's not going to be put right exactly in one transfer window but we can start to take shape as a, as a football team. Because I still think we have got the crux. I do think we've got nine or ten quality players, and I think we've got five or six Champions League quality players that we can actually get this season back on track. Um, and the one thing, I'm bringing it up, Estepona Boy, just as we were trying to get positive, Estepona Boy brings in, into Milan are going to make a bid for Marta really. That's the one thing this January the board cannot buckle. They cannot buckle on any bids for the top players, particularly Matt O'Reilly, Brian. I agree they shouldn't. I just don't know if that stands. I, I, I've told you privately who I think is going to be going in January. I won't say it just because I don't want to go after not, but I, I think they will cash in on someone in January. I, I've just got a feeling because if they can't shift the amount of players they need to shift, and I don't think they will, they're not just going to go Toronto and, and spend a lot more money. They just won't. So I think they'll probably want to shift someone and replace them cheaper, would be my thing. I hope I'm wrong. As I say, I think any time I make a point that comes true, I almost regret it because it usually means that something's not gone right. So I hope mm -hmm. that's not the case. 
Um, but on your point about the, the team, I say to be positive, and I've said it already, I, I think we will win the league. I think things will get back on track. Longer term, that remains to be seen how much we improve. But I do think we will. I think for all Rogers' flaws, and there are many, I think he will, he is a winner. He will find a way to get it. Like, I think we'll beat um, Rangers when we play them. I think we'll have a decent January. I don't think it'll be quite what we expect, but I think it'll be decent enough. I think it'll see us over the line and then we reassess in the summer. So there is positivity there. And that's not just based on the fact that, you know, I know we've been poor recently, but we've still got the best squad in the league. We've still got the best potential starting 11, like comfortably. Yeah. They've just not been performing. But of those performances, they've come, Hitachi comes back, Maeda comes up, Kyogo, see, he scores a hat trick in the morning, he's back on form. Then you've got the best striker in the league back, you've got Carter Vickers back, Hitachi, a creative midfielder back. Suddenly these things start to, the players that know each other start to take shape a wee bit. Then mm-hmm. you get to January, you can recruit. So you, the, there's two ways this could go. It could either go very wrong or very right. And I, I think it will go right, but I also think it's appropriate to call out Rogers, the players on the board for the performances this season because we saw it coming and it's worth mentioning that things have to change before it's too late. It's not that stage yet. We can still rescue it. And listen, I'll be doing cartwheels in the street and wearing my Brendan Rogers mask. If we, if we get to January, we're still top of the league. Good Believe content. You. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> content, I content, I'll date the nude for charity. Um, I won't. Uh, it's far too cold. <laughs> but I, I, think we're, I think we are in a good place. We're just also in danger of sliding the other way, and that's what we need to correct. And I think that's been the the point of the past three episodes. I just want to say, look, we know we're not in a great place. Here's the reason why, but I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree with that, and it's not blind loyalty, by the way. Um, Robert Wallace has taken us on to the point of the the actual game. Then, how do we line up? I'm going to give you my thoughts. Brian's going to disagree. Throw your comments in the the comment section, please. Do let us know what you think. Um, I'm going to say this before I read out uh, Robert Wallace's team and lineup uh, formation wise. Carter Vickers is he beyond criticism? Has he had a good season? I know he's been injured. Has he been the force that we we saw last season, the season before, Brian? I think you, what you have to consider is we'd be the, we'd be worse without him, and I think he's still comfortably our best defender. Um, I think he, I know he gave away the goal in the Lazio game. Yeah, then he probably shouldn't have been brought on at that stage either. To be fair, because he'd been injured, um, and I, I don't think anyone is is beyond criticism. I've said all the time, it doesn't matter who the player is; no one's bigger than the club. Um, but I don't think he's really warranted criticism so far. I know the team's been poor, but I, I don't think you can single out skills for praise and criticise Carter Vickers for performance. That doesn't align to me. I think, um, yeah, I, I think he's been he's he's been solid enough, and I think if you remove him, we'd probably in a, in a worse scenario. To be honest, oh, I definitely don't want to remove him for. Um... Kobayashi, not no yet. <laughs> what I do want to see is I want to see um, Katavickers, uh very much like Callum McGregor, uh, like Matt O'Reilly, Joe Hart, yeah, I'm going to throw his name into the mix, and Kyogo. And I want to see that group of players, Brian, all stepping up, mm-hmm. all playing captain's role. I know Matt O'Reilly's that wee bit younger, I get it. But in terms of the players who have been pivotal to our success 
in the last two seasons. I want to see them stepping up. So that's where the onus is on the players. And I use Joe Hart because you know what? Joe Hart has got experience to kill. You know, you, you look at the the length of that guy's career. This is his swan song at Celtic. He knew that Champions League game was his final game at that level. He needs to step up. He needs to command his area. Uh, because we talk about the defence. Taylor's getting it in the neck. And rightly so. His performance has only been good enough. It's as simple as that. Yet he starts every game. Joe Hart needs to actually command that area. That's his domain. Um, Carter Vickers and Liam Scales, you know, they have developed not by design a partnership, and that that's the trio, you know, and that that's your bedrock. And from there, you can start building. And they need to actually get, uh, for me, they need to take a, a huge amount of responsibility between now and the Rangers game. Um, I wouldn't approach the Rangers game the same way that I would approach this Livingston game, and very much like Robert Wallace, I would I would ad- adopt a three-five-two uh, tomorrow. With a fully fit, because it doesn't look as though Brennan Rodgers, basically, it doesn't look as though he's going to play the inverted fullback. So if you're not going to do that, you're going to have to change the shape of the team for me. Um, with a fully fit and uh, current players, it would be Hart, Katavikers, Scales, Navroski, Kalmak, O'Reilly, Rio, he may not be fit, uh, Maeda, Abada, Palma, uh, Kyogo, and O. Right, I'm going to use this as a starting point. Joe Hart's in goals. He is the best goalie we've got. There is yep. nobody else near Joe Hart at the club, but he needs to step up. He really needs to step up now. Um, my back three, the way that I would play that is I would have skills on the left-hand side, uh, covering the left area, if and when Livingston are on, on the attack. And you would want them to be at times, Brian, to open up so that you can then hit them on the counter. And that's where the wing play is taken into account. So I'll come back to that. Your man in the centre is obviously Carter Vickers. And your man on the right of the back three would, would probably be Welsh. And I'm, I'm saying that because he's a guy that can cover the right-hand side. Um, some people might play uh, Alistair Johnson there, thinking that he can he can like obviously play centre-half and, and, and go to the right when you're defending. I get it. So that, that's the way I would play that. The midfield for me, um, the, the five would be uh, Matt O'Reilly, Callum McGregor and uh, Chimoke Awata, if fit. If a Watt is not fit, I play home. And the reason I'm playing him is that when you're defending, he becomes mm-hmm. your second centre-half. Or he, he's covering the centre. He's protecting the centre-half area. I don't he think... He controls possession really well. Absolutely. To be he's the most creative. He he's good under pressure. Yep, he does. And he breaks the play up. I think uh, Maida starts and Palma starts. Um, and then that leaves you up top with, for me, I would I would go O and Kyogo. And I think that uh, what you're trying to do there is if, for example... Palmer can't hit that line the way you want him to hit it. You're looking for somebody to overlap him and, and do that work for you. Um, that's the way I would play against Livingston. And my point that I made about allowing them to attack, it's twofold, right? They're not that dangerous on the attack. Some people might think anybody's dangerous against this defence at the moment. They're not that dangerous in attack, Brian. But if their attack and their shape changes, you then get them on the back foot, you hit your wingers, and that's where we open them up. And I think that um, we... You know, I said it earlier on, and it's no overconfidence, it's no disrespectful of the opposition. We do have the personnel tomorrow to go out there and win on a canter and win comfortably. And I think it's necessary that we do that. I've heard people um, also saying we just need a win. Uh, but I think the performance is massive as well at the moment, Brian, because we need a bit of belief in that what Brendan's doing is going to work. Absolutely, especially if you change formation. Mm-hmm. The, the, the formation change has to work and have to, the players have to eat confidence in how they're playing um, so I agree with the shape I agree with your back four of 
Hart, Welsh, Carter Vickers, Scales. Um, your midfield three, I agree with. Uh, well, if Rio's fit, he would fit in mm. with Kilmack mm-hmm. and O'Reilly. Um, if not, the home. I would have your fullback still wide and made up front with Hugo. Are you playing Johnson? Are you playing Johnson? He was Johnson. Aye. Aye. Just purely because if Scales is in the overlap, all you do is Johnson could just drop back in and still keep it as a back three or the other fullback can drop in. Yeah. So you've got, that, you've got that defensive thing because if the only danger with Livingston is they'll do what everyone else has been doing and they'll try and get corners and they'll try and load the keeper. So we still have to have, for me, a couple of really strong defenders in there, even if we're attacking. And then the thing about it is, if you've got your at least one fullback as your wide player in the five, it means one of your midfielders, so say Hitati, can really push in as a, you know a, a sort of false nine. So you can really push them forward as much as possible because you've always got the, the, the fullbacks can drop back in and make a solid back four again. Because Welsh, I thought Welsh was good against Firenod. I think I think you as well, we've always been pretty positive about Stephen Welsh. I think he's a, there's a good player there. Um, and I think he's good bringing the ball out. So again, if he gets caught in possession, your fullbacks can just drop back in. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with that shape. I think that shape benefits us better. And I think the reason I would have Kyogo up front with Mieda starting is because I think O offers that different proposition. So if you decide to change shape and pull Mieda away and take Kyogo off, O's better up front his own than him because he can ruffle feathers and, and get about it a bit more. So that's my rationale. But I think shape-wise, I think we definitely need a change because it's not been working. And, and, and this, this point... This one isn't going to work. No. Um, anyone who thinks Palmer could play wing, but he, he can't. He, he can't he defend. Can't, I'm playing wingers. I'm not playing wingers. I know. I think he's been, he's he's, been, he's, been, he's reaction man of it again. He's, he's just he's he's. I think he, the, he's always better when he comes in. When he gets the ball, he either cuts in and shoots, or he gets the ball in midfield and shoots. So just play him there, like yeah. I mean, my cover, my cover in the fullback areas is skills in Welsh in my formation. Uh, when we are being uh, attacked, when we are defending, I wouldn't expect uh, Palmer to do the defending because. You know, I always uh, went on about uh, El Yanusi. I, I, th- I felt he would have been a great player under Ange because he did have the um, defensive qualities. Um, he could break up, you know, attacks really, really big well. And strong as well. He did. I big and strong, and he had. Uh, he did have that uh, that knacky cutting inside uh, that Palma has. Uh, but I, I do think he was a more complete winger. Unfortunately, we didn't see it. Unfortunately, we didn't see Christie um, uh, that long for that long under under Ange either, but the, I think those two players would have been excellent under Ange Postacoglu. But you know what? Ange is gone, and we've got a group of players there who are good enough to beat Livingston tomorrow. We will cover the game, regardless of what happens. We will be here after the game as well. Let's hope that we are talking about a resounding victory and a performance um, that gives us a bit of hope moving into uh, Dundee and then Rangers at the end of the year. Thanks everybody for sticking it out. I know sometimes it seems a bit negative, um, but I think every single one of us, other than the lurkers, want what is best for Celtic. It's always a pleasure to speak to Brian Degman on a Friday afternoon. Brian, you enjoy your Christmas and the same to everybody else who can't join us between now and the 25th. Hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow. We'll be covering the game. Thank you uh, to Brian Degman and everybody else in the comments section for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Sports Social Podcast Network.